0: Hello and welcome to Untitled Toggy's podcast, where four friends come together to talk about classic 90s anime series Gundam Wing. I'm Caitlin. I am joined by Kat, Kathy, and Mallory. Today we will be discussing episodes 25 and 26. So if you're familiar with anime, as I suspect some of you listeners are, then you know that episodes 25 and 26 of any show are usually the big blowout season-ending extravaganzas. In episode 25, Katra vs. Hero, we rejoin the battle between Katra and Hero. Recall from last episode that Katra's gone a little bit nuts and wants to blow up some colonies. During their fight/exchange of battle philosophies, Troa, whose Viate is already half destroyed, blocks a killing blow meant for Hero. The shock of attacking his best flute-blowing friend reawakens Katra's moral center as Troa makes a beautiful speech about surviving as soldiers in an era of peace. It might be too late for Troa, though, who clears off in his exploding mecha to float alone in space half-dead. Hero loses consciousness, trying to kill Katra for killing Troa. Back on the lunar base, the old guys are bemoaning that they'll die before they get revenge on Oz. Duo is dutifully doing his Gundam specs review homework, and Wufei is meditating to the point of not needing to breathe. Who knew he could do that? Meanwhile, Duke Dermail announces Romafeller's plan to deploy mobile dolls globally. Trace is not having it. He declares the beauty of being a loser, like the amazing and sexy Gundam pilots, and Dermail puts him under house arrest. His followers start to act. Lady Ann moves against Subarov. She gets back to the lunar base and releases Duo and Wufei, but is shot by Tsubarov and might be dead. All that studying mecha specs pays off for Duo and Wufei. They get their new Gundams! Duo cuts a guy in half with a scythe made of fire. Wufei uses his long arms to punch two dudes at once. Robots are cool! Katra, now his nice baby self again, soothingly scoops water into an injured hero's mouth as Lady Anne's nice diplomat lady voice declares her love for the Gundam pilots. Remember, she might be dead. In episode 26, The Eternal Flame of the Shooting Stars, Trey's followers, known as the Trays Faction, mount an opposition to Romefeller control. In Operation Nova, Romafeller sends completed mobile dolls to suppress opposition over, like, the entire Earth. Katra, and Hero and Wing Gundam Zero are captured by Tsubarov's men who want to test Gundam Zero despite Tsubarov's orders to destroy it. Trey's faction then grabs Hero and Katra and reunites them with the old guys. The Gundam scientists explain to Hero and Katra that Wing Zero uses a special piloting interface, the Zero system, which enhances the pilot's abilities but suppresses their own moral compass. When the pilot has a clear sense of who their enemy is, it can make them much stronger, but when they are experiencing human emotions like confusion or moral complexity, they lose their shit. During their tests, the Romafelder soldiers surround them, and, of course, they want Hero to test the Zero system for them. Surprise! He goes cuckoo banana pants. Katra, based on Troa's speech last episode, declares that space doesn't need Gundams. Katra is able to overpower Hero with a vaguely psychic power, and Hero has a vision of Rolina. Katra takes Hero back to Earth. Wing Zero and the scientists, somewhat ominously, survive. Alright, a lot happened today, and I wanted <laughs> I wanted to start us off with something that Kathy almost previewed last episode, and which she didn't get the chance to fully explore, um, which is her grand unified theory of anime. Yes.
1: So this came from the conversation that we had last episode, which at the time I was talking about the concept of Junjol, which is like... Pure emotion. So there's a great tweet by a Twitter user, Rachel Jane Andelman, which is sort of mockingly basically saying, you know, an anime is not defined by whether or not it's Japanese animation, it's whether or not it's 65% enjoyable and 35% embarrassing. It is probably the only true definition of anime. But based on that, I had spent a really long time thinking to myself what I consider to be anime. And I think that anime again, is not defined by whether or not it's Japanese animation, but whether or not it has three things, which is, one, characters that contain what I term, quote-unquote, manic purity. Two, character motivations that are internally consistent in the world of the anime, if absolutely deranged. And three, people like suspending their disbelief with regard to the world-building and setting. And the wonderful thing is, episode 25 of Gundam Wing is peak anime. It shows you multiple characters with manic purity. They're just completely devoted and dedicated to some single ideal or cause to a point where that purity is almost like a weapon and induces others to fall into their weird little orbit of dedication to that thing. And Trey's whole speech is like the definition of like being caught in somebody's manically pure orbit.
0: He literally, He literally says their feelings overflowing with purity.
1: Exactly. Like he actually gives you the Gundam wing articulation of manic purity. And then again, another really important part of my definition of anime is that none of this stuff actually makes sense in real life. Like this is not how people think about war and fighting and peace and why we do it. Or maybe they do, but it isn't like a coherent theory of war and peace that we would exercise in real life. But if you suspend that disbelief and you assume that that is true for the characters in the Gundam Wing universe, then everybody's motivations are very consistent. They just seem like crazy people because they live in like a crazy pants world where those things are real. So stop talking about what the definition of anime is. Gundam Wing episode 25 is anime. That's it. That's all (laughs) you need to know.
2: And that's that's the end of this podcast.
0: Podcast over. Should we look at the examples of manic purity from the episode? Like, I, I think that, like, Katra and Troa's interaction as Troa is maybe dying or mm-hmm. about to explode. Pretending to die. He he takes, like, an extra, like, five minutes before he's supposed to explode to just explain,
2: like, reality to Katra. It's so good. Yep. I loved it. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's very Shakespearean. Like, I have to impart the wisdom of my entire life to you before I blow up. Thank God my mobile suit, like, cooperated. He's also, like, making an
0: argument about democracy, sort of, where, like, oh, the people of the colonies have chosen war or chosen chosen to ally with Oz. So we can't fight them or for them because we're just not necessary anymore.
2: I like how Troa has been sort of writing this ambiguous line with his work in Oz. Like, you sort of see it at the beginning as sort of like, ooh, he's infiltrating them. And it's kind of like him and Lady Un rubbing off on each other. Entangled? The... Yeah. They... Mm. Oh, and meshed? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, because c- you sort of see him like, well, no matter how Oz got there, they're here. And it's kind of like, oh, Troa, you... Your, your real motivations here with regard to us seem to be changing a little. And then you also see Lady Anne with the strength of her conviction in the Gundam pilots who have charmed her. And I don't think there's any way that she doesn't actually know that Tro Barton is a Gundam pilot at this point.
0: Yeah, I think she, she basically says it when she says, oh, if the colony is still there, then those Gundam pilots are going to fight to defend it no matter what.
1: I think that speech was really interesting to me because it had echoes of... Katra's dad's death in it in sort of contrasting ways because they both end with this plea in a way for Katra to rethink his life and where it's going and his dad's version was you need to get out of fighting this Gundam and try to find pacifism again except that just totally backfires and you know Katra Gets in Wing Zero and tries to kill multiple colonies. But with Troas, it is also a plea for Katra to return to the Katra he knew, but it takes on slightly different tones because there is this question they're all grappling with, which is, who is our enemy and who is our ally? And Troas sets it up here, right? He's basically sort of saying, you know, we can't consider Oz our enemies now because the colonies have allied with it. And so we have this internal battle with ourselves where we're trying to figure out what we're fighting and what it's for. And that might make all the other battles we fought meaningless, but that's something we have to grapple with. So it's sort of like we are our own enemy and our own ally. And I I just think it was really fascinating because it ends with his pseudo death so it has the same kind of effect on katra it's been a really hard couple of days for katra you guys yeah he's having a rough time he killed his friend
3: um kathy to your point i really liked it i liked that he was like appealing to katra's kindness where his father was sort of appealing to this kind of vague sense of duty and righteousness and the grand concept of
2: pacifism right and his own parental
3: authority yeah whereas Troa is saying like he's appealing to the kind guy that he knew like the kind guy that you once were and he's acknowledging that Catra has, is having a difficult time it just shows like an emotional intimacy between the two of them that I really appreciated and then that's like in the middle of this sort of really intense love triangle that um, you see yes. like Catra and Troa and Hero entangled in it's really good I think that makes a really good point
0: about how shipping works within the show in that, like, so obviously we are drawing on intimate tensions that are not explicitly sexual for our shipping purposes, but, like, the reason we're drawn to a certain pairing is because it it pulls out, like, a thematic thread that the show is trying to develop. So, like, that emotional intimacy between Katra and Troa... The, the clash between Katra's family of origin and the found family he sort of has developed with Troa and the other Gundam pilots, mm-hmm. um, where they know him much better than his own father did, is something that we as, you know, fans pull out in into a shipping form. And,
2: like, I think that that is how, I, I mean, that's how shipping works. As I do more and more media criticism and, like, have my fandom background, it's sometimes really difficult to... St- to kind of determine if that relationship is like canonically as emotionally intimate or am I like projecting things onto that? And I think and Wing is like a-, a canon where I am not creating these like frisions of interest.
3: Right, exactly. Like it's very clear what the show wants us to get from these relationships. Like they want us to know that Catra and Troa are really, really close and Hero is sort of Katra's new jealous best friend.
1: What strikes me is that Troa and Katra's intimacy is not fully earned in the show, and yet Gundam Wing just throws it out there and we all accept it. And I think that has a, is really exciting and a type of catnip for shippers. Because we have this desire to explain why Troa seems to immediately understand Katra and what Katra Mm -hmm. needs at this moment. And the answers are either that they're soulmates or they're in love or they can read each other's minds. Right. Even though for the purposes of the anime, I think it's for character development. But for us, it's really easy to read those things in because the show needs it to happen, but doesn't explain why. So I think this was a really fun moment for me when I saw it because there is no other way to read this scene other than they're having a really intimate moment. But why, to your point earlier, why are they having that intimate moment can be interpreted completely differently depending on if you're seeing that shipping under text or not. And I think the same way with you know, Wufei and Duo. So we have these different pairings. We split up all these different yes. pairings, right? So we are now in this one times four one times four situation but that's because troa who had been Hiro's, you know acting boyfriend and Contra's spiritual boyfriend is gone now so now that triangle has collapsed in on itself so that's a really good way way to put it
0: look wait i gotta go back a second Mm -hmm. kathy i cannot believe you think that katra and troa is not earned when you know 30 episodes ago, they played flute and violin together. All right?
3: They had a whole musical interlude. I'm I sorry. I can't yes. believe
0: that literally in, you know, in the timeline of the show, this might be 50 years ago. It might be last <laughs> it week. It could be like four days ago. It's impossible to tell. Um,
1: I, I can't believe you're not convinced by Katra and Troa's uh, soulmate relationship. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I didn't. Realize that just playing a flute and violin duet means that you understood everything about the other person yeah obviously
2: the show also keeps the avenue open of it just being a psychic connection let's be fair like the show really allows that that reading (laughs) right
1: you know what now that we're here can we just to fast forward to episode the end of episode 26 does someone want to describe this scene
2: i would love to so Catra gets himself into the Mercurius, which was Hero's um, old suit, to stop Hero, who is high on Gundam Zero, Wing Zero, Juice, and <laughs> has decided that the Doctors are his enemy because they're the ones that are interfering with his life. And Th he's... He's right. He's not
1: wrong. He
3: is
0: yeah. not He wrong. is right.
2: He's the, the Doctors are so evil in these episodes. Um, so... So Katra tries to stop him and is yelling at him and finally gets through to him when he is like psychically shooting his pain at Hero, and Hero sees him and then Hero feels sick at his own actions and then falls onto his head like just straight out of the Gundam onto his head on this concrete bunker floor mm-hmm. and then kind of gets up um, and is like, what am I doing? Sees a vision of Relina and then like, falls on the floor and he's glowing like literally glowing with this golden glow and catra comes down and touches him and pulls this golden glow in his hand where it sparkles and in this the dub he asks um are you from earth we're going to earth earth always treated us kindly but in the sub he says are they from earth Meaning, Relina, because then he saw Hero's psychic vision. I guess, or is that the gold stuff? I I think that the translation in both was kind of kind of weird. It's it's like
0: it it sounds like he's addressing whoever Hero has seen in his vision, which is Relina, mm-hmm. and is asking, "Oh, you're on Earth, so we should go to Earth." Okay. Ah, okay. Um, so my question with a lot of this is, why is this the big? mid mid-series finale. Like what why is Katra going crazy in Wing Zero and then Hero going through the same mini journey the the big like thematic narrative crux of this part of the show.
1: Well, I I think it does <clears throat> introduce more fully this question that we were having about, you know, dependency on machines and what it means to be fighting and it really brings to a head a thing that has come up over and over again up until now, which is who are the Gundam pilots fighting for and who are they fighting against and what better way to show it than, you know, taking Katra who is one of the kindest guys and seems to have the best head on his shoulders and just completely ruining it and throwing that in the trash and then taking Hiro, who is the other person who seems always to be really strong in his convictions and then ripping it apart but that said, no, I don't understand why they did it in this way or I don't know. It, it, it is a little bit odd, though I can see the logic behind it. It just comes out a little bit strange in episode 26, at least. It is more engaging for the audience to
0: have this plot line where it's one of our own, one of our good guys turning evil or turning bad as, like, a season finale thing, it's 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 more interesting to me than, like, a, a battle with random Oz dudes.
3: Yeah, and that's also, like, an emotional turning point, I think, for, like, Katra and Hero because, you know, when they're kind of talking about Wing Zero, Catra says, like, I'm struggling with who our allies are. And, Kathy, to your point, it's like, are these old dudes really the good guys? And is there... Loyalty to these dudes just because they've been trained by them their whole lives, um, and I think them sort of being betrayed by their own minds and this machine that has been built by other people—it's like a turning point in that they know they realize that they cannot only like
2: rely on these Gundams. I want to jump on that because. Catra is such an interesting character for this to go through, because out of all of them, like, they all have really emotional attachments to their Gundams, but Catra's Gundam literally became sentient, and then <laughs> saved his life. I forgot about that. Um, Aww, yeah. Yeah, and then, so it's sort of shocking to see Katra then be like, oh, these horrible machines are taking our will, like, an important part of me, like, we can't rely on them. They're a mistake.
0: I think it's also meant to set up a contrast with the mobile dolls, or not a contrast actually a similarity. Where like you have the big reveal from the scientists that they essentially created something that turns a a, a real human pilot into a mobile doll. Um, I, that's not how they phrase it, but that's basically what it is. That in order to in order to fight at the level of a mobile doll, they had to suppress the consciousness of the pilot to an extent that it drives them totally crazy, and the scientists in probably one of the most fucked up sequences of Gundam Wing, say to Katra and Hero that if they were perfect pilots, they would be fine piloting wings, yes. Wing Zero. And that they're the, the reason that they go crazy when they pilot Wing Zero is because of their own failings. Like, they're not pure enough to be the true pilots, the true soldiers that the scientists envisioned.
1: I also thought that was extremely weird given if you know what the history of these pilots are coming up to this, they were not trained for this. So it is a little strange that the scientists were then almost berating Katra specifically for not having the mindset of a perfect soldier when that was not actually what any of them were trained to be. And so it's both annoying for me because the scientists are being mega ultra uber jerks And then secondly, just canonically speaking, I don't understand where this is coming from. Like, where are they getting off berating them when this is sort of their problem, too? And also, one last point to the mobile dolls issue. This is a thread that's getting pulled out, right? Like, who is the perfect soldier? Is the perfect soldier someone who is not afraid of death? Is the perfect soldier a robot who can't even die? Is the perfect soldier somebody who would fight to the end no matter what and never question what he's fighting for or who he's fighting for. Yeah,
3: so Kathy, one of them says to him, like, oh, that's quite a personality. That's not great for a soldier. And it's sort of like, he's 16. Of course he's going to want to go look for his friend. And when they tell these kids, you're not perfect mentally or you're imperfect mentally or whatever, it's like, of of course, because they're children (laughs) and their brains are awash in hormones and their prefrontal cortexes are still developing. Of course, they're far from perfect. Bah, this is why children shouldn't be
1: soldiers. This is one of those moments where I I don't know if they had fully figured out Gundam Wing Cannon yet uh, in their own heads, so maybe this was a writing error, but it just makes them come off as just super mega ultra jerks.
0: Well, I don't think it's an error so much as like a revealing moment for the scientists where, like, before we had them as, oh, they're kind of goofy. They have like a good, like, really funny moments. Like, the scientists are, are charming characters in a lot of ways. And they also hint at this sort of backstory to the condoms that we we don't really understand. Um, this is the moment where we sort of realize that they are just as bad as anybody else who's trying to control mm-hmm. life on earth who any any other group that would send secret mobile suits to do terrorist actions yeah um,
2: they sort of encapsulate also the colonies like it feels like they symbolize like the final turn of the colonies against the the Gundams too right like now even the scientists who you've seen have this sort of paternal doting relationship in some ways like they seem rather like Catra's doctor always seems very fond of Catra and then you get this scene that's more shocking and feels out of character until you realize these guys are also architects of war Mm -hmm. and terribly manipulative but it really brings in a lot of like, this delicious ambiguity that I really like, It contrasts with Trey's as well, talking about the nobility of the human fighter and all of this stuff, where you realize that's not really what the doctors or engineers were doing with the and pilots at all.
3: Yeah.
0: What a good transition, Kat. Let's talk about Trey's. <laughs> yes. Would someone like to introduce Trey's speech? If Kathy has a grand theory of anime, this
3: is Trey's grand theory of losers. The Romafeller Foundation is having a meeting. Who are all those assholes? <laughs> like the board of the foundation? Who is the Romafeller <laughs> Foundation? Who are those people? They're all congratulating themselves over, you know, mass producing mobile dolls. And, you know, Trey's were counting on you. And Trey's is like, actually, I'm peacing out because I don't like this. And I've fallen in love with the Gundams. So the key is that Trays makes this
0: speech where he declares that the, the mobile dolls will create a, a version of war, a version of history that erases the struggle of human emotions in war. And that it is through those emotions, through the, the loss, the defeat, that basically history progresses in a way, is, I, I think is what he's trying to say there's like a really weird sequence where it it flashes back to like recent moments in Gundam pilot history. So you see duo watching death scythe get blown up. You see Troa crying as he blows up death scythe. You get this sort of sequence of like all of the struggles the Gundam pilots have gone through recently as they realize that they have been abandoned by the colonies essentially. And so this struggle is what Trey's points to as the glory of the losers And he wants to be one of those losers that these Gundam pilots have like emerged from the warless colonies to create this like beautiful, true vision of warriors in Trace's mind.
2: Right. So we finally see kind of what Trace's vision actually is the way that it's sort of been alluded to this whole time. Like we know it's very like pro the noble warrior, very anti the mobile doll. The sentence he says, he goes, I used to think that the ideals of the colonies, including their highly praised pacifism, were pitiful complaints born of their ignorance of tradition. And you do get a lot of that at sort of the beginning and then kind of think of, he kind of thinks of the colonies as like uh, to be conquered. I feel like it's also indicative of how the Gundams have changed his own politics in a way to kind of come to this conclusion finally.
1: For me, the part of the speech that gets really interesting is when he talks about the cyclicality of history where winners eventually become losers and then losers take that energy and then become winners. And so there's this thing where, you know, because there's the human emotion, the sympathy built on people's true feelings, which is how he defines what. Tradition in history is, which I don't really understand what that means, but whatever. I think what he means is because there's that animating human feeling, which you can't get from mobile dolls. You get that progression of history as people keep, you know, going up and down from where they stand. And the colonies and the Gundam pilots to him are a symbol of that. So it feels oddly like an actual theory of history until you drill down on the speech and realize none of it actually makes any sense. (laughs) It it makes sense in feeling. Like it makes sense sort of exactly.
0: Like as you're watching it and as it's it's, like the words are washing over you, it it resonates somehow. And it's also like so this is maybe too classical of a reference but there has been a lot written about the idea of like losers and defeat and failure as a noble, sympathetic like it's the losers that you, you feel attachment to in Japanese literature. So like going back to like Tale of the Heike, which is much more focused on the people who lost that particular war uh, than it is on the winners, there's this idea that the loss of a battle proves, in a way, the true reality, which is that no, no win is ever permanent, no life is ever permanent, that everything always comes into a, a failure in the end, which is death. Um, so that there's beauty in that loss.
3: Yeah, the thing that struck me or that I was noticing about his speech was sort of the dichotomy that he was setting up between the path that the Romafeller Foundation wants to take, which is going down the route of using soulless mobile dolls versus sort of the like nobility and beauty of human emotion and passion. And I think what the show is trying to say is that like war always has a human cost and it should always have a human cost and so when you remove the element of death and try to transcend that all you do is make war and like fighting meaningless and so seeing this path he would rather go down the path of the losers which are the gundams who he looks at as you know they've been abandoned and defeated and yet they still fight with this like Kathy, like you were saying, this true manic passion and conviction. So he would rather be them than like this soulless kind of corporation. And I think watching the scene in 2020, when drone warfare is such a big part of our like military strategy as a whole, is notable because I see this show, which was written in like 1995, I think. Um, like clearly struggling with the idea of this kind of technology being a major part of warfare and how we conduct warfare, and now it is.
2: Yeah, coming off the the heels of Gulf War One, where drones were really fully integrated in military warfare, is kind of an interesting historical look. It was definitely on the rise. That's when people really getting like. Thinking about drones, but then thinking about like fully automated weaponry. Um, if you
0: also recall the uh, Japan's own history of warfare, where the you ha- you have a system that uh, in the Japanese military during World War II, their pilots were sort of driven into believing that they had to sacrifice their own bodies into the machine of warfare. Um, so, b- besides the obvious example of suicide suicide pilots, you have just a general sort of ethic of subsuming your own body into the war machine. And I think that both the show's commentary on mobile dolls and the commentary on Wing Zero are both working against that idea that the machine has to dominate the human in the service of war.
2: I think it's, again, like sort of a reflection of how Trace has sort of changed, because we had a lot of friction between Lady Un and Trays, like the sort of idea of what she thought he was doing, and he talks about how fighting has to have a certain attitude about it, and he realized that it doesn't have to be absolute victory, which is the the idea of being such a noble warrior that you would simply win the war and that's it. Like you've won. Now fighting is only going to be done for like noble noble reasons. And then now it's sort of like he's accepted the sort of inevitability of warfare. But realizes it can't become an embarrassment to the future people, which I also thought was really good phrasing.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> if I could go back just a second, I think that there's a, there's a s- strange contrast here between what Trey's is saying, which is that the Gundams are necessary, and they're not just necessary for winning a war, they're necessary for progressing human history forward, versus Katra's sort of revelation that the Gundams are the least necessary thing. The Gundams need to get out of here and go back to Earth. And I don't, I, I don't think they necessarily conflict. I think what we're seeing is that Trey's is, now has a concept of how the Gundams fit into his big picture. Whereas Katra's at a moment where the Gundams have lost their small-term mission. They've, small, they've lost their small-term allies. And now they have to find their own path towards having a role in building a new world
1: yeah i see kadra is realizing that they have become tools and sort of are at the mercy of larger forces acting upon them and his realization in a way that that has always been the case with the scientists in the colonies and he just didn't realize that and that kind of goes to i think this is troa right who says to him before he dies you know, we were trained to be soldiers. And as a result of that, we saw everything as a battle. So we started to think that as long as we fought and won, we were changing fate. Yeah. But maybe that wasn't true. And I think it's their realization of that. And I also think that it's consistent with what Trace is doing is because Trace isn't really necessarily recognizing them as individual agents in charge of their own fate. He sees them in this grander scheme Of, you know, fighting and what that means and who does it. So Katra reflecting on his own role as the person actually doing it versus Trey's being able to take this step backwards and say, here's how I read you into the history of these colony wars. Um, The idea of the glory of losers is very important in Gundam Wing. And we know this because there is an official manga adaptation of Gundam Wing, which is confusingly termed new mobile suit report Gundam Wing endless waltz glory of the losers a mouthful but it's not endless waltz it's the whole story it is the whole story of gundam wing so i just want to say you know this is one of those moments like when toggies appeared and we were all like that's the title of the podcast this is the title of what gundam wing means to the creators of gundam wing but specifically its writers sumizawa katsuyuki
0: i'll say that i like glory of the losers as a concept but it reminds me of of watching rogue one which is my favorite star wars And the idea of, like, watching it, I I just felt like, okay, they're all going to die, but their deaths had a purpose. Like, they are
2: losing the battle to win the war, you know? So, I think Catra feels like he really embodies that, but I love all the sort of omnidirectional views everyone has, because Troa was sort of like, well, this war is over, so in that sense we're redundant. But Catra's like, no, we're just going to regroup. And... Yeah,
0: Katra might have more of a sense of, like, the big picture, maybe because of his father's death and his father's uh, own activism. Whereas Tro is just like, well, our job is done now. They don't want <laughs> us to do stuff
2: anymore. Oz has great health benefits, guys. Like, you should really But Tro is it...
0: about to go on his own journey. <laughs> so Yeah, we'll where he's really going
2: to need that health care.
0: Yeah, he really needs that health care. In space. In space.
2: Well, speaking of people who probably need health care, like Duo and, Duo Wufei. and <laughs> Wufei.
0: Duo and Wufei. Um, I don't have much to say about this except that I love them. I like that Wu is now able to meditate himself into a
3: coma, uh, <laughs> suspended, coma. suspended animation. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, I love
2: how hot duo is for people who can just do ridiculous ass shit. Like oh, Hero oh, resetting his leg. Ooh, Wu meditating himself into stasis to conserve oxygen. Unbelievable. Ooh. Yeah.
0: The moment where they get in their Gundams and Duo's like, okay, let's go. And Wolfie's like, first, let's pay them back. And
1: Duo's like, hell yeah. I <laughs> love that sequence. I love that sequence. And I had written down in really excited terms, Magical Girl Transformation, because they're two. Yes. So Gundam Descite Hell and whatever Shenlong's new name is Ultron. Ultron or whatever. Yeah. So whatever new Shenlong is called, they basically have a Mecca magical girl transformation sequence. Yes. Where they get to show off and like Duo spreads his wings. And I was like, this is amazing. This is like every moment of like, you know, Sailor Moon, but with Mecha
0: Yeah. And they get to, I mean, I said in the summary, they Duo cuts a guy in half and Fei punches two guys at once. But they're punching mobile dolls, which maybe like narratively speaking is a reason to have mobile dolls be your big thematic enemy because it means your heroes could just like, blow shit up and nobody dies. Like, you don't have to be mad at Fei and Duo yeah. for killing somebody. It's just awesome.
2: That's like the Marvel Cinematic Universe continual cop-out. Either they're, like, robots or zombies, so you don't have to worry about murdering.
3: Well, I mean, it's like the opposite of Man of Steel, right? Where, like, you just kill everyone in New York um, for your movie. So, you know, it, it's sort of releasing us of the moral obligation to feel a little bit bad that people are dying if we're going to be talking about like the morality and nobility of war right Mm -hmm. um and rooting for the gundams at least their hands are fairly clean
0: we can't hate duo and wufei though. i'm sure i mean they have they have killed people
3: like that moment (laughs) when lady un opens the doors and they both like gasp and then like look at each other and smirk. Oh, it's oh so God. good. Like you can they're tell that so the two of them are going to pair up and fuck shit up. And then fuck.
1: And I I also <laughs> Yes, also and they then fuck. Then fuck. Also yes. they fuck. Um this also gave me uh flashbacks to the last time something like this kind of happened which sadly was when they killed the Federation doves. But there is this moment where almost all of them come together, right, on, on the lunar base, and they then split up into different pairings than the ones that they were together before, in a way, and then they all go in their separate directions. And so there, it, it does seem pretty funny to me that Gundam Wing, in the end, is the story where, like, all five pilots only coexist momentarily in the same space, and then they all split into, like, groups of two and threes. I think that last time was basically that
0: season ending, because wasn't that around 13 or 14? Yeah, it was, like,
1: 13-14, yeah. right? And then that So, happened. like, they come,
0: they come together for a big battle to end the season, and then they all split off and go on road trips. And then someone almost
1: dies. Infiltration. Last schools. time it was Hiro,
0: this time it's Troa. Now Troa's floating in, in space.
2: My favorite um, doctor moment, other than realizing that they're, you know, horrible people, <laughs> is when one of them is like, Oh, so do you guys want me to explain the Trace faction schism that's happening right now in the lunar base? And Capture's like, Fuck no, I just want to hear about Troa. <laughs> and that's all we know.
1: Why are there so many Trace faction people at the lunar base? How did they
3: find all those new costumes? Yeah, when did Trace so, uh, resign? Right. That is her- my question. How did some
0: of them get brown outfits and some of them get blue outfits? I'm, co- I'm colorblind, you guys. I can't tell who is Trey's faction. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. All right. Should we move on to the fandom artifact? Does anyone have anything else to say?
3: The only thing that I will say is that the mobile doll carrier shuttles are very phallic. That's all I can think <laughs> about when I see them.
0: All right. Well, on that note, let's discuss today's fandom artifact. I'm gonna, I'll put it up on Instagram or Tumblr or whatever so people will be able to see it. But this is a section of a magazine called Megu Magazine. So, Megu Magazine was a short lived anime magazine that ran like more or less concurrently with just Gundam Wing itself. Like, it it ran from like 95 to 96. I can't find that much about it. It published four special issues in addition to their like usual monthly issues. And two of them were about Gundam Wing. One is. Uh, about the first half of Gundam Wing. So up to episode 26, which we just watched. And then the one that I have is from 27 to the end. So I won't talk about their episode summaries because I don't want to spoil anybody. Um, But I did want to talk about their republication of people's fan postcards that they sent in. So one of the things that anime magazines often publish is fans will like draw characters on these little postcards and send them into the magazine and the magazine will publish them um so i shared the scans with my fellow hosts to pick out some to discuss published with this are a set of fan letters like like write-ups like little letters written into fans with like replies from the editors some of them are interesting which is that the letters literally just new types <laughs> and the editor's like yeah it seemed like uh we forgot about those <laughs> um there's also a question about the blood types of each of the pilots which maybe had not been revealed when this came out and then there's a letter saying that relina is very strong but also very like
1: fancy i have a question about just generally the theme of this fan art corner which is I mm. noticed a lot of it is single characters or to the extent that there are pairs, they appear to be heterosexual. So yes. in the other women characters corner, for instance, there is what I believe is Duo telling Hilde to keep on living. Yes. In Rolina's corner, she's holding a chibi version of Hiro. Is that just standard or I don't know if it's standard but they do sort of talk about that
0: quite a bit in the captions for the photos the hero actually they use the word ha which is the same word as faction in Trey's faction um so they use they have a hero faction just means like hero group um like hero fans and then Relina group and then Oz group and then Wufe group etc um and in hero's group they say even though he's the main character there weren't that many. There weren't that many postcards of just him. Usually, he's paired with Relina. Parentheses makes sense. And <laughs> sure. duo. Parentheses.
3: Huh? <laughs> Excuse me.
0: So, uh, like, whoever's writing this is very aware of the hetero pairs and not really aware of the BL pairs. But there is like a thing where they they're a little bit like wink wink about it. Like they sort of know that yeah, you you want a pair hero and duo. But I, I think the tendency is because they split them up by characters, they try to pick ones that only have one character in them. The thing with the Relina ones is that it notes in the caption that Relina fans do seem to like the fact that Hero is kind of whipped by her. Yes. <laughs> it's not yeah. the literal translation, but that's, it's like, they really like that he's, like, is led around by her. So I think that they picked a couple of pictures that sort of imply that, which is Relina holding Hero in her palms. Uh, Relina stepping on Hero's
1: head. Yes, as, I love that one. I love yeah. that one. She has like a lasso or a leash or something in her hands. It's it's really good. It is,
0: it's not exactly kinky, but it's hard to read it as other than kinky. And then in the other, the other women's corner, assorted women's cor- corner, the caption notes that uh, compared to other Gundam shows, there are more female characters in Gundam Wing, Oof. which is true. <laughs> and then it says... And then it says, aren't women in love beautiful?
2: <laughs> um, can you explain the Sally Poe picture? Because it's incredible to me. But what's happening there?
0: She's uh, everybody's mom.
2: Yeah. Oh, um, no. no. Um,
0: so the person drawing it once lo- loves the female characters and wants Sally Poe to be the mom to all five of the boys.
2: I'm just oh. glad she's getting love.
0: Also, I want to note that Duo is by far the most popular. Yeah, he's Yes, so yes. I really popular. appreciate that. Yeah.
2: I like the one where his hair is flowing. I gotta say, this fan art makes me feel really nostalgic for a world pre-digital fan art, sort of. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when you're looking and trying to... To load like one drawing that somebody scanned. <laughs>
0: Back in the era when my drawing skills were up to snuff with the standards, yes, yes, definitely not. A couple of you mentioned the Wufei images, and in the Wu Fei section, there's one picture of him. You all identified it as the Wu gender swap. Um, what it actually is is a depiction of the artist's idea of what Wu Fei looks like if he takes his hair down. Oh.
1: Why did his face become like that then? That, <laughs> and why does he look like joke. he had boobs?
0: That's the joke. He becomes like, once, it, once he lets his hair down, he becomes this uh, cute girl. It actually doesn't really say girl, but it says he, he becomes cute all of a sudden.
1: I love the Sealer Moon parody because Chibi Yusa is, I think, Dr. J.? Yes. Yes. And, uh, yes that's the and, best part it is so good like i i know there's a modern photoshop version of this but they do not go so far as to make dr j to be so that is all that matters in this picture
0: so because the uh episode 26 is the end of the season episodes 27 and 28 are recap episodes of gundam wing and since we all just watched all of gundam wing We don't really need to do a lot of recapping, Um, so we've decided to add in a special feature for next week's episode. We're going to be reading a classic of Gundam Wing fanfiction. It is Sunhawk's Road Trip series. Um, We'll provide a link to it. It's up on AO3 via the archiving of the A Little Piece of Gundam Wing Classic Archive. The series as a whole is 364,114 words. I don't expect our listeners to read all of them, but we will be discussing that fan fiction series and our thoughts on it as it currently exists. Kathy, do you have anything to say about Road Trip before we talk about it next week?
1: Well, I don't want to spoil our discussion next week, but um, the reason why I picked Road Trip specifically is that it is still eminently readable and very enjoyable, but also has a lot of the fandom tropes And plot devices that were very popular at the time, at least I was reading Gundam Wing fanfic. So they're a little less evident in the very first installment of Road Trip, which I think is the one we're gonna, that I asked my co host to read, and that if you wanna follow along is probably the one you wanna read. Um, But I'm really excited to just talk about it and revisit what fanfic looked like back then and how it is and isn't different now. Look
0: forward to it. All right, thank you for joining us and tune in next time for episodes 27 and 28 and Road Trip. Thank you for listening.
2: Hear about our new episodes on Twitter at Tall Geese Pod. Find our full transcriptions on Tumblr at Untitled Tall Geese Podcast. and follow us on Instagram at Untitled Tall Geese Podcast for behind the scenes deets, phantom artifacts, and memes.